Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Who was here for breakfast? What a mean breakfast. Thanks, guys, uh, for doing that. Um, I want to jump straight into today's message. Um, I'm going to speak for a few moments, and then we're going to... Uh, we're going to uh, create some space um, for these guys to lead us uh, in worship. We've got some stuff we want to get through. Um, we're going to start a new series today called Building Home. Can you say Building Home for me? just want to make sure you're awake. Building Home. Now, if you've been a part of this church for the last uh, six months, six years, 12 years, you'll notice that there's been a bunch of changes. Um, a big one being we've turned the church around, we've changed the name of the church, we've changed the branding of the church, uh, and all sorts, everything in between. And really, it's been about pressing into what God is doing across Teesside. So as a leadership team, we've been saying, what is church all about? Uh, and where are we going uh, as a church? And uh, so as part of this real soul-searching questions, uh, we've been um, looking at really what are the next steps. And so the next four or five weeks, we are going to, I think four or five, we are definitely going to um, be on a building project. So I want us all, in a cheesy way this morning, to put our, high, uh, our hard hats on, and our high-vis jackets on. Um, just me. Because uh, this morning we're going to be doing some building work. That's right. Any builders in the house? Any builders? Anybody got any, uh, any GMVQs in Brick Lane, like I did um, all those years ago? So we're going to be on a building course uh, for the next four or five weeks. So today we're going to look at foundations. Next week we've got a brilliant um, American guest speaker. He's going to be looking at putting some walls to this thing. And then we're going to look at covering, uh, which obviously is the roof, and some other bits and bobs as well. And you're probably thinking, what on earth is Elijah talking about? But we're going to unpack the series uh, Nehemiah. And uh, if you've ever, ever read Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a fantastic book at leadership, strategy, business management, people management, and, uh, and kicking some bad guys' butts. It's a real mix if you're into that sort of stuff, some light bedtime reading. Um, and we're going to look really at what it means to put foundations in, as a church, but also as individuals. And uh, you can spot people. If you look around your friendship list, or have a little scroll of Facebook, you can spot people who blow around in the wind. I mean, it's just like they're here, they're there, they're everywhere. New boyfriend, new girlfriend, new this, new that, all this, all that. It's like, blimey, how much change can you have from Monday to Wednesday? And it's this sense of there's no real anchor. But Scripture tells us as Christians that actually we're supposed to have this real solid foundation. Um, the Titanic, we've all heard of the Titanic, was sunk by what? Some of us are in doubt. It's a great movie. Titanic, an iceberg. And the, the typical thing, this leadership throwaway comment, is that you can see more, um, sorry, there's more under the surface than is on the surface with an iceberg, right? But actually, in life, that's supposed to be the same reality. But sometimes we're so concerned about showing people what's on the surface, or who we are, or what we've achieved, or where we're going, or the fantastic things about us, that actually, sometimes we're a bit defunct of the stuff underneath. So we want to challenge this. We want to lean in and press into what the Lord is doing, and calling us to. So foundations, if you look at your dictionaries, it says that the foundations are the structures, or the structure, below the surface, that supports what? The building. So as a church, we've kind of changed all of the face of everything we're doing. But actually, there's some real important building work for the church, but also for you and I uh, below the surface. So I want to get into it today. Have you heard of the story of the three little pigs? What happens? (laughs) 
for some of us, it's been years. It's like, blimey, that was a throwback from 20 years ago. And, um, but three little pigs, we know the story. They huff and they puff and... And the house comes down. Well, it does on two occasions and, and doesn't on the one occasion. Actually, if you look at Matthew seven twenty four, if you are carrying a Bible today, that'll be awesome. Most of us look at our phones these days. There's some young guys in church today thinking, what is a Bible, a physical Bible? I've never seen one of those before. Um, it's only it's an app. Um, but actually, uh, Matthew 7, uh, Jesus invented it first. And Jesus talks about what? Building your house uh, on a solid foundation. He tells this parable, this, this kind of illustration really about this guy who built his house on, on sand. And it looked fantastic, it looked glamorous, it looked sexy, but then the wind crept up as it does in Teesside, and the rains fall as it always does in Teesside, and suddenly his house began to crumble away. There's all his hard work and this beautiful showing off. But Jesus says, actually, I call you and, and, and I urge you to build your house on something more solid. And uh, this is from the Message Bible. I'll just read it, and then we'll jump in, uh, some other, into some other stuff. But Matthew 7 says, These words, this is Jesus, I speak to you, and not incidental additions to your life, uh, or homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational works, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on this solid rock. And we all know the story. The rain poured, the river flooded, the tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies or attend church on a Sunday for some spiritual feel-good stuff, then really um, you'd be like the, the man who built his house on the sand. Uh, the rains rolled and the, uh, and the tornado hit and it crumbled into pieces. It collapsed. But actually... We want to just saw some of this stuff in today. I'm going to look at Nehemiah, and this will be on the screen behind me if you're not carrying your Bible with you today. But Nehemiah, this is 445 years before Jesus um, came as a physical human being onto earth. That's a long, long time ago, isn't it? That's a long time before Jesus. And, um, and Nehemiah uh, was, was kind of a guy, I think John a few weeks ago spoke on Nehemiah. Nehemiah was this really influential guy. He was a cupbearer to the king. He was promoted to such high standards. He was trusted. He was a foreigner. But actually, God used him mightily. And the story goes that, that Nehemiah is moved. He's moved by a cause. That God begins to stir his heart for his region and his people. And actually, this process over the next four or five weeks, I want us to, to be stirred. John spoke a few weeks ago and he said that, actually, when you get on your knees in prayer, be careful because God might raise you to action. And really, Nehemiah is about prayer. It's about this guy who leans in to what God is doing. And the story goes, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, who was the Persian king, um, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, we don't know whether that was physical or just, he's my bro, um, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. This was his people. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Give me the report. How are our people doing? It's like being anywhere in the world and you meet a Teesider or a Borough fan. And it's like there's that instant connection. Tell me, you know, I've had no kind of internet for a month. How, how are Borough doing? You know, or, or you know, is Teesside still standing? You know, you know what's, what's happening? It literally wants to know about home. There's this real connection. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. 
they were slaves. They were in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. What's the big deal? Well, it's identity. It's protection. It's, it's God has called us. God is with us. But actually, right now, our people, our area, it looks like it's in complete ruins. You ever said that? God, where are you? Something so left field hits you. God, are you in this? God, I can't see you working. God, I trusted you for a while, but actually, if I'm honest, I'm a bit shaky. So this is where these people are at right now. And it says this about Nehemiah. When I heard this, check this out. I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heavens. Wow. When's the last time we were so moved by something that we sat down, prayed, fasted, and mourned? For days. In fact, it was about a month that Nehemiah just literally bawled his eyes out before God. God, I am in such ruin. My people are in such disgrace. God, I'm so desperate for you to do something that I'm just, I'm at my wit's end. I'm just totally spent. Emotionally and physically, I'm gone. God, you need to do something. So this is where we kind of come into the story. You know, reading some of this stuff. And sometimes it's so easy to read it about someone else's life. But imagine, just for a moment, experiencing this stuff. I bet there's been moments in your life, I mean, look at the stats in this room, I bet there's been moments in people's lives in this room where things have hit us so hard that literally we've gone under the radar for a month or two. Just, I'm gone. I'm just, I'm burnt out. I'm wiped. I don't know the answers. Financially, I'm ruined. Emotionally, I'm just in turmoil. Uh, it just, just mentally, I'm at my wit's end. So we get introduced to this story as Nehemiah's experience in this stuff. And actually, it goes on, if you want to read um, later at home, just after this, this is Nehemiah 1 to 4, and 4 to 6 and onwards, talks about how Nehemiah turned his focus to prayer. Oh, that's it, I'm going to switch off. It's a prayer talk. I'm switching off, here we go. But actually, this is some foundational stuff. But actually, Nehemiah teaches us some vital lessons in terms of spiritual formation and running after Jesus. Because actually, he could have been blown anywhere. He could have just said, you know what, it is what it is. But actually, we read the story and we lean in and we find out that Nehemiah goes under the radar because he's literally birthing some stuff between him and God. The foundations have been built. So things weren't going well. That's the cause. I sat down, I wept, I mourned, and I prayed. And that's the effect. You know, I can relate to this because I believe when God moves in our lives that actually there's this emotional almost encounter, that, that you realize that you are God, I am not, and, and actually in that, there's, there's a real awesomeness, but also real dependency. I realize I haven't got all the answers, I realize I'm screwed up, I'm messed up, is it just me in this club? I realize, God, that I need your help. And often, it's a real change thing. When I first came to Jesus, um, when I was 15, I'm almost 30 now. Blimey, it, 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 time goes fast, doesn't it? But I remember that I wasn't interested. I went to this festival. I met Jesus in a field full of a thousand young people. And I thought, God, if you're real, I want to know you. And when I said that prayer, and maybe you said it today, perhaps you haven't. But this thing happens. It's almost like heaven collides with your little humanity. And it's almost like, hang on a second, I'm just seeing things and understanding things that I've never even thought about or understood or or looked at. And almost like a bit of God, well not a bit, a lot of God, comes and lives in us and just begins to change us and transform us. So for Nehemiah, this this process had happened. And perhaps you can identify with that. Perhaps it was a long, long time ago. Perhaps it was very recently. But this real sense of, God, you begin to change me. And when you, God, begin to change me, I become more like you. 
And God, when I become more like you, I get a heartbeat for people around me. The selfishness seems to kind of erode. God, you put my eyes on other people, other people's concerns. You make me look to my left and to my right and say, God, would you do something in this situation? I wonder, church, do we forget to do this? Does it become so much about us that we forget to look around and say, God, I need to raise the sea level for for this situation. I need to pray for that person. I don't mean a little comfortable prayer before we fall asleep and just nod off in, in two seconds, but perhaps a real sacrifice to us. As part of this process of uh, putting this message together, I've been really challenged. Because I thought, God, you know, this is some of the stuff that you're just churning over in me. The foundations are so important. So we know Nehemiah spent months in prayer. Are we with me so far? Come on. And, uh, And what I love about that is, what we pray for what we, sorry, what we pray, um, what we pray, we, uh, I can't even say this. What we pray for, we give to. And what we give to, we pray for. It's that transaction. So for Nehemiah, he began to pray for his region. So as he began to pray, guess what happened? God be- began to stir something within him. So as he began to pray for something, he was like, I've, I've got to give myself to this. And, and also, Interestingly, when we say, God, I'm going to get involved in a local church, I'm going to get involved in a situation, that actually when we give ourselves to something, we continue to pray for. It's like a real cycle and a real process. So I wonder right now, what are the things in our lives that we're giving ourselves to, and what are we praying for? And perhaps it starts with a humble prayer. I'm going to pray for this person or that situation, but hey, let's be prepared to also give ourselves to. I wonder where we're at today. So as we build the house of our lives, church, we must start with the foundations. Let's get these right. Nehemiah's call rested on his conviction. The conviction of what was happening with the people, which caused him to cry out, God, would you do something? God, would you move? And then this is where the, the faith stuff began to kick in. And he, and he thought, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to speak to the king. I, I want to do something about this situation. So what or who has God placed in your life? What or who? What situation? Perhaps it's a passion for the local church. Perhaps it's the workplace. Perhaps it's gym friends. Perhaps it's uh, family or I don't know. You fill in the blank. What or who has God called us? Because he is calling us. And perhaps if that list is very, very, very short, and perhaps if it's non-existent, then this is a real moment to say, God, I need to just check myself. I need to lean in here. I need to be praying for, for, for people and situations. That God, you would give me an appetite to see change. But before he did anything, before he unmasked a great big plan, which is so easy to do, isn't it? Guys, I've got an idea. Let's do something. Before he began that whole process of putting it all down on paper, he spent a month in prayer. He spent a month just resting. He spent some time just, God, God, I'm just going to give myself to this situation that you'd make me ready, but also make the situation ready for me. And this is what began to happen. 40 days, morning, praying, and fasting. Philippians 4 says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. I know it's so easy to say and so hard to do. But this is what Scripture says, and where Scripture says it, you know, we can, we can claim it and know that's going to happen. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. And that's a real weird phrase, isn't it? Let your, let your prayers um, 
kind of shape your worries. It doesn't make sense because worry often comes before the praise. God, here's my situations. Before I give you uh, your praise, God, before I uh, kind of say some eloquent prayers, God, I'm just going to ask you to, to, to give me. This is what I need. God, I'm going to put my situation before anything else. And I, and I wonder, me included, when's the last time we spent a great deal of time in prayer that wasn't all an ask, like, God, would you give me this, healing me that, moving that situation? Here's my list, God. Here's my shopping list. Oh, by the way, you're awesome. Good night. <laughs> um, but actually, Philippians flips it, and it gives us a real biblical viewpoint, which is actually when we say, God, you are incredible, even when the situation is of the direst consequences, that, God, you are amazing. God, I give you praise that actually from that, we begin to see this real joy emerge. That actually from that, I expect you to move. I expect you, God, to do good things. And it's almost that's the way it should roll. Rather than saying, God, here's my list. And here's my, here's my expectation of you. Actually, God, truth is truth. And you are constant. So I give you what you are due. God, you're awesome. You're incredible. So Philippians begins to unpack this. And it says, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for the good, will come and settle on you. Do you need that today? That God, I'm just going to praise you, and we're going to just worship. Praise is worship, God, I'm going to worship you. And we're going to do that in a moment. And as I worship you, God, as I worship you, I'm going to lift up who I am, What's within me, the concerns, the, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the ugly things. And God, as I do that, I'm going to let you just come and, and just have your way and mingle. And we know that, and the Bible says it's, it's a manifestation of God's presence. That when we worship, God moves. When we worship in freedom, God moves. And part of our prayer today was that we would worship with a real hunger and appetite. Because so often we can step into church and think, I expect the same four or five outcomes. I'm going to go, get some food, give a few cuddles, sing a few songs, and I'm um, going to feel awesome. See you, see you next week. But actually, when we read this, this God who just totally takes over our lives, that should blow our little thinking to pieces. That God, I'm going to come to church and expect to worship a living God. And as I worship a living God, that living God is going to rock my world. He is going to transform my community and change my heart forever. That's what worship is. It's not this nice little sing-along karaoke done well. But it's, it's, it's a real, it, it comes from within us. God, I give you everything because you deserve it. And that's what the writer of Philippians is talking about. Church, get this message. Get it right. That actually, the writer knows we have concerns. But he's saying worship and watch what God does with that. So the presence of God, it settles down upon us. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What are you worried about today? What are the things that, that, that are just ticking over in your, in your heart and your mind? What are the things that are just robbing you of joy? We've all got them. We're alive. If you're living and breathing, you've got anxieties and worries and things that are just there. But actually, God today... I'm going to choose to, to just to give those uh, to you and trust you. So Nehemiah was building his foundations. In no great strategic way apart from God, I'm going to sit and I'm going to give you all that I am. He believed in a supernatural God, but he also began to build things into his life. Um, and a place that I've, a challenge that I find myself in is it's just, it's, it's having those moments of time. You know, we've got three boys and, 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 you know, just all sorts going on. It's just those moments of, you know, when, when, there's, when life's quiet, it's easier, isn't it? But when life's busy, it's finding the rhythm. 
But actually, if we don't find the rhythm, it'll never happen. So God, I'm going to just give something to you. An easy way to look at it could be, what's your place? Perhaps you're a, a, a coffee shop lover. Perhaps you are a hill walker. I love the hills. Perhaps you are a, um, just love to lay in bed for half an hour every morning when you wake up and just read the news and see what's like your Instagram posts. I don't know. What are, what are those places for you? I would encourage you to find a place and say, God, I'm going to dedicate a little bit of time in my place to you. So, so I don't mean anything super spiritual or super heavy, but uh, I've got a little task for us in a bit, and this will make sense, but just to apply something in that situation. So for example, I was somewhere a couple of weeks ago, and there was a guy called Pete Gregg. Have you heard of Pete Gregg? 24-7 prayer. Um, it's this kind of prayer movement where he said we want to inspire the world to pray. I find praying uh, a bit mundane. I've got to be totally honest, sometimes. Sometimes it rocks. Most of the time, I find it a bit hard work. That's just my journey. I know there's more spiritual people in here who it always rocks. But it's, it, for me, it's a surreal debate of time and effort and tiredness and, and, and what I want. <laughs> God, I'm desperate today, so I'm going to pray really hard. But actually, he kind of said, you know what, here's some things that I think, as a Western world, we can put into practice. Now, now, a Western world, I think we struggle with prayer because we're too busy. We've got a lot of things we need. Life's just kind of hectic. So he was speaking at this thing, and he said, what is your place? And I thought, genius. So I dedicated, I thought, I'm going to give an hour each week on top of a hill somewhere and just spend that time, you know, just, just five minutes of prayer. So I wonder for us, what are those moments where we can find those spaces in our week to build foundation? To know that as the wind blows and the hurricane comes, as the rains fall, that actually those things we're doing are going to cement us and hold us in to keep us firm so we're not bobbing about too much. What is your place? Foundations, I was uh, a question and a builder, and I said, what are foundations? Give us some gorgeous stats, will you? Give us, you know, the lowdown. What, what are foundations measured on? And he said this, three things. Foundations are me- measured on, if you're writing notes, uh, this is perfect. If not, store it. Uh, on depth, on strength, and on uh, the, the uh, durability and resilience. That's what we want in foundations. So depth is, uh, the, there's more underneath than on the top. So that is almost like a real sense of, um, I've got grounding. I've got the things that's going to hold me in place. So I would argue that the, the longer we take to sow this stuff into our hearts and our lives, the longer we take to digest the Bible, write it on our heart, and, and own it, uh, then, then that's, that's grounding. Some people can recite so many verses and chapters and they know inside out. I'm useless. I know a few, I claim them, but, but it's an ongoing process. But perhaps for you, you, you can just recite those things. So I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to repeat it, I'm going to digest it. Depth. Strength. They hold immense pressure. This is foundations. Immense pressure so they don't crumble. You look at some of the old buildings built years and years and years ago. That took so much labor and hard work to put some stuff under the surface so it would be durable uh, and everlasting uh, today. So again, in our own lives, um, finding time and rhythm to read the Word, to pray, uh, to do the non-glamorous stuff, it's about adding strength to our lives. And then also uh, a durability and resilience. So as the rains come, as a hurricane whirls around, as things happen in your life and situations and circumstances, that actually my foundations and my anchor is going to prevail throughout all of that stuff. And Nehemiah initially didn't have the answer or the plan, but he was the man. He said, God, I'm going to, I'm going to step up. I, I see a change. I'm going to petition the king. But then actually, God has the answers and the plan. But I believe that, and this is cheesy, but it's good, 
Like, you are the man or the woman. So, so it's almost like the sense of, God, I'm going to just prepare myself. You're going to use me. God, you are going to use me for something. And I'm going to step out and lean out and watch how you move. So how does, does this relate to our church? We can see there's been so much done. We've changed the branding, we've changed the name, we've uh, got vision and values nailed down, we've put some things in the calendar, we, uh, we've got a projection, all of that stuff is, is there. But actually, the underpinning of that, the foundation of that, it's got to be done right. And what are we mad about? We're mad about worshipping God in spirit and truth. We're mad about, as a, as a, as a, a community, unpacking scripture and saying we're going to live by this. We believe God is all over it. We're about community, aren't we? Breakfasts and, and hanging out on the hills and those baptisms two weekends ago, whatever it was. We're about just doing life together, the real and the raw. And actually, we believe that this is the foundational stuff that we're going to build this church on. And what are we building towards? Are we building to, to have church the same as this for the next hundred years? No. We're building so that this church will outlast all of us. That in 150 years that this church will be packed full of people and the community's transformed across the globe because of what God has done through this community. So we gather because, uh, because God is going to stir us up and he's going to do some incredible things. This is all part of the vision and the outworking of us doing um, uh, the basic stuff right. And as we do the basic stuff right, these chairs here that are empty are filled with faces and lives are transformed and God begins to have his way. Years ago in school, because I was a really good boy, they sent me to college once a week just to get rid of me. And uh, in college once a week, I used to do this course and it was bricklaying. It was a GMVQ level four. Oh yes. Whoop. And, um, and I didn't listen to a word they said, but somehow, between us all, we made these fancy walls. It was incredible. But actually, walls um, rest on what? It's foundation. And foundation, it's like, it's the unglamorous, the unsexy stuff. It's like, it's just, it's boring, it's mundane, but it's so important. So we'd spend ages just like digging the ground, just, you know, just heaps of dirt. What is the point of this boring, blood, sweat and tears? No one's going to see the joys or the benefits of this. But then actually, as we began to put this wall up and put this glamorous little arch on people and say, that looks absolutely fantastic. Wow, I'm so impressed. Can you come and do my garden wall for me? And wow, can you build a house and an extension? And just, I'm so impressed. But actually, people didn't see what went on underneath. What about your life? What's going on underneath this surface? Has someone ever looked at you and said, you look different today? And like, yes, I've spent 10 hours in prayer this week and I've uh, been reading scripture inside out. I'm just, you know, fluent in Hebrew. And, and it's that sense of, you know, let's be real about this. But the more we spend time in God's presence, the more we do the stuff behind the closed door, the little bits in the week that we can grab, the more we're transformed, the more that people will say about your life, wow, like, man, you're, you're just amazing. It's just, you know, can I be more like you? Can I? It's just that's it. And not about us because we're reflecting Jesus, but there's a real process takes place. The counterbalance of that is the more we don't do the foundational stuff, the longer we go without immersing ourselves in Scripture, this is not a guilt thing, but this is reality, the longer we go without getting plugged into church, it's almost like actually we become who we are in nature. So the ugly stuff creeps out, doesn't it? The road rage driver, or the, uh, the person who's got no, you know, the quick temper, or really angry all the time, or grumpy, drags the knuckle, knuckles around the floor, and you know, it's just, it's that sense of the, the ugly things begin to creep out in our lives. 
So the counterbalance is, God, I'm going to spend some time with you. It's just making sense. Now, the other stuff that people are going to speak on over the next few weeks are going to be much more glamorous than this. My task is bringing the foundations. And there's no easy way to bring this apart from let's, let's begin to do it. So foundations, they require a time of digging and labor. A time of just spending uh, in God's presence for him to transform our lives. The Bible says, and this might be news to you, that you are the foundation. Did you know that? That you are the foundation. There's this beautiful um, thing that happens in the New Testament where Jesus says to Peter, a guy who um, was scared of a little girl, who denied Jesus uh, to a little girl, to, to, to a guy who uh, just ran away from uh, all sense of danger, uh, you know, just this sense of a real, you know, a guy who's been demasculated and just full of shame and insecurity. Jesus locks eyes and says, Peter, you, and we know, don't we? He says, you, 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 you are going to be um, the, the, the rock on which I build my church upon. Now, for Peter, that means rock, doesn't it? Literal translation, that's awesome. But actually, I believe, fundamentally, that Jesus also called you and I to do the same thing. So as he looks at us, he says, you, um, uh, 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 you, wherever your name is, uh, I'm going to build my church upon. And what was really cool is, when Jesus was saying that, uh, and the place that Jesus said that was known as the place of the skull. And, uh, and it, was this, it was this cliffside. And this cliffside had all these alcoves in, big caves in, and, uh, and literally outside of this cliff were loads of farmers' fields. And once a year, as Jesus said this to Peter, incredible moment, um, it was known as the time of, um, of, of new life. And literally people used to gather from all over the country, and they used to descend upon these fields, and they used to worship the devil. And as he used to worship the devil, he used to do all sorts of sacrificial things, and they used to do bits and bobs. There's young uh, ears here today. But things that just weren't very nice used to happen. And it was brutal. It was horrible. Like a real dark moment in the calendar every single year. Um, and, and actually, Jesus took these, these young, scared guys there. I mean, the, most people would argue these days that they were kind of like teenagers or early, early 20s. And he took these people, this youth group, and, and he said to, uh, to Peter, Peter... On you, I'm going to build my church. Now, now that rock was also known as, um, it was the rock. So, so it was almost like this real sense of, of Jesus saying to Peter, in this place, and all that's happening, I'm going to build my church. And he later goes on in the scripture to say, what? That the gates of hell will not come against it. And literally, it was like the fields of Hades. It was the gates of hell, this location. And I love how Jesus speaks, if we, if we get in this picture, I explained it terribly, um, but how Jesus uses the situation, and he actually says to Peter, watch what I'm going to do with you. Watch what I'm going to do with you. And he was getting the foundations right. So you're the foundation. You are the foundation. And perhaps you don't feel like it. Perhaps for you it's like, well, I don't know. I, I struggle with faith. I struggle with a God I can't see. I struggle with church. I just, I'm a bit in and out of this stuff. But actually the promise is true. That as Jesus locks eyes with you today, he says, you are the foundation. I'm going to build the church on. What a thought. And when he says build the church on, isn't that an open-ended promise? Because that when he says build on, it means the thing, there's things to come. And do you know that when Jesus looks at you, he sees what's to come? I, I believe when we get the stuff right with Jesus, that behind us there's a queue of people we can't see who are going to benefit from our relationship, from, from our soul searching, from us spending those moments in prayer and quiet. There's a long line of people behind us who are going to benefit from that. You're the church I'm going to build. I'm going to build you're the rock I'm going to build my church on. 
So as I kind of plug in, as I get connected, as I just spend those moments, there's people behind me, a generation of individuals who are going to experience Jesus because of you and I. What an amazing responsibility and thought. Last couple of things. If you struggle to read the Bible, just a, a real practical point. If you're like, well, I kind of, I open it up and I flick around a few pages and, you know, I'm kind of like, whatever the flavor of the month is, I'll roll with. But, but actually, Proverbs is so easy. I want to set as a challenge, I want to ask us next week and the week after. And if you're a teacher in the room, you're going to love this because it's, it's homework. And if you're not, you'll dislike it. But it's foundational, so we're going to commit to it. Proverbs, one each day. What's the date today? The third? Second? Second uh, of July, dead easy. So we catch up, number one and two. So each day, read a proverb. Dead easy. If you're ever stuck for anything to read in the Bible, right, what's the date? It's the 15th of the month. Right, there's 30 proverbs, whatever I'm going to read. I'm going to read the 15th. Brilliant. So we're going to read proverbs each day. If you've got your own reading plan, awesome. Stick to it. But if you're struggling and just want some inspiration, let's just begin to get this rhythm and pattern in our lives. A quick 30 seconds of reading Proverbs. God, before I read it, would you speak to me? God, as, as, as I've read it, God, would you just sow that into my heart as I go about my day? Done. So, so easy. Proverbs. So today, number two. Tomorrow, we know it. Number three. If you struggle with maths, just look at the calendar and match it up a little bit. Uh, um, but I think it'll really help us get into this pattern of, of, of just, just praying and sowing this stuff into ourselves. And then also, on each of your chairs is a connect card. And there's a little space at the back, prayer request. And I would love us, I would love us to spend a few seconds to look at prayer. God, I pray that you'd give us an appetite for prayer. Because what we pray for, we give to. And what we give ourselves to, we pray for. And let's get this cycle started where, God, we're going to just pray for a couple of things. Now, you probably got your own things going on in your life. That's awesome. And perhaps straight away you're like, do you know what? I'm going to pray for my son. I'm going to pray for my, my, my workplace, my colleagues. Um, I'm going to just remind myself here to give thanks before I pray. That's not all about my requests, but God is about you. But also on here, I'd love you to write one big thing. And together we're going to do this. Stick it on your fridge or beside your bedside table or wherever it works for you, your back pocket. But I'd love you to write the church. The church. You being the church, absolutely but also, this place is a building. Us as a location. Us place within this region. Because what we pray for, we give to. And what we give to, we pray for. So we're going to just, we're going to pray for, for this church. We're going to pray for this community. We're going to pray for these individuals who we don't even know. Lots of their names and their faces. But we know God's called us here for a purpose. And we're going to say, God, I'm going I'm to just pray. And perhaps you're like, you know what, I'm going I'm to throw, God, God, I'm going to throw you a five-second prayer. That's fine. Perhaps you're like, you know what, I'm going to spend some moments throughout the week, blocks of time, and we're going to pray. But when God calls us to pray, this is when the magic happens. And if you've been coming to church for a while, and you're like, you know what, church is the same old. You can change the signage. You can change your name. But it feels the same way. Well, I want to challenge you. It only feels the same way because you're feeling the same way. That actually, if we begin to pray and get ourselves into this stuff and lean in and be bothered by what God's doing, then we're going to see radical differences. And when we see God do things, that's when people pay attention. And it all starts by saying God humbly. And really, simplistically, we're going to pray and we're going to worship you.
And I believe foundationally, I know it's a dull message, but that, that's what God's calling us to again. And we go through these, these rhythms in life where sometimes we're just red hot at it, and other times we just, we just kind of seem to lose the sink. That's okay. But I believe right now, in this moment, in this place, God's challenging us, each and every one of us, because he loves us and because we love him, to say, I'm going to pray. Are you up for committing to praying? I'm rubbish at this, and perhaps we're on Facebook and bits and bobs, we can just keep reminding ourselves that actually we, we, we said we're going to pray for things. You know, we said we're going to spend 30 seconds just quietly reflecting on you, maybe reading a proverb, and, and just on the back of that, 20 or 30 seconds, or five minutes if we can. God, would you just, would you just bring some things up that you want to say to me or to a work colleague today? You ever had those moments where you've read something, and then someone's having a conversation in the daytime, and it's like it totally matches up with what you've read. And you're like, man, like, that could be a real God thing. And there's not a better feeling than knowing that God is speaking through you. And God is speaking directly um, to your life. So let's spend a moment. God, would you give us an appetite today? No glamorous talk or fancy logo or incredible instrument can change our hearts. Nothing, God, apart from you can give us an appetite for leaning in. And God, this really isn't about us doing a whole list of things to be better or to evangelize a whole nation or to do anything scary. But God, really, it's about us just saying, I'm going to prioritize you. Like, God, I'm going to read a proverb or read a tiny bit of scripture. And through this, God, that you would just influence my prayer life, that God, you'd call me to prayer. Bible says that what we bind in heaven will happen on earth. And I want to say this today, that that Jesus, you would give us an expectation that what we pray for, you'd answer. That God, what we ask for, we'd see results. That this stuff would fuel our prayer life. God, would you call us to prayer, call us to action, put an excitement in our hearts at the thought of hanging out with you, Give us those moments of rest spiritually and mentally in the week where we can just engross ourselves and just immerse ourselves in the goodness that you've already put in the Bible. And that, God, we'd see this church through its people and through its location change this nation. Because you're calling us to prayer and you're calling us to holiness.
And God, we want to just be called a prayer right now. Right here, right now, God, we want to give you thanks. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die on that cross for us. Father God, we want to hang out with you all the days of our lives. And Lord, I pray today that you would, as you have been the whole time, just hanging out here, speaking to us, inspiring us, equipping us, challenging us. And God, we want to lift up the things that are on our hearts, the things unspoken, the things unsaid, the worries, anxieties, the the illness, the, 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 the money concern. Lord, wherever, wherever it is, God, we want to just as a people, just now worship to you, just just put our issues in front of you, God, and ask, God, that you would move in a mighty way for this situation or for that circumstance. God, we give it to you. And Jesus, we thank you that when we pray that you're on your knees in front of the Father, the Word says, petitioning on our behalf, lobbying God to see change in our world. So God, would you respond today through the things that we're thinking? Would you move in situations and in the circumstances so that we can give all the glory to you? Because God, we believe that you are alive and active. We believe that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Phase one is done. <laughs> Good job, everyone. Good building skills. Next week, we're going to move on to some walls, uh, which is going to be good. And um, why don't we just respond? Why don't we respond to that? That God, we are, we are worshipping a real and living God. And none of the band are going to worship um, and lead us in worship. But also, if there's some things that are going on in your mind, in your heart, and some things that you've just been petitioning God for, or, uh, you know, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Shall we stand? Let's stand. You know, as a church, as people all around, if, uh, if there's something that's really just, it's, it's, it's hit you, we just wait for a moment with that stuff. Is that all right? Just, yeah, we'll just wait for a second. Yeah. We'll just wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait for a second with that. Sorry. If there's some things that you've been kind of just thinking of as well, as we worship, if um, if you kind of just raise a hand as we're worshiping, you know, we'll just get some people around you just to just to put a hand on and just to, to pray what, what God is doing, that he would continue to work in, that we'd see some breakthroughs. I know some of us are facing some things. Let's We'll raise a hand. As a church, we want to get this prayer thing right. That God, we're going to get in the middle. We're going to, we're going to petition on your behalf. So if there's something going on, health-wise, financially, concerned, just a real, robbing your joy. We want to pray for you. Come on, let's worship a real and living God.